0: Why don't the owners just close the room? The Yusudo corporation prefers to pretend there's no problem, just as they pretend there's no 13th floor. The room has got to be filthy. I mean, the sheets haven't been changed in, what, 11 years? No, no, no. We're very professional. 1408 gets a light turn once a month. I supervise the maids work in pairs. We treat the room as if it's a chamber filled with poison gas. Only stayed ten minutes, and I insist the door remain open. But still. A few years ago, a young maid from El Salvador found herself locked in the bathroom. She was only there for a few moments, but when we pulled her out, she was... She dead? No, blind. She'd taken a pair of scissors and gouged her eyes out. She was laughing hysterically. You're floor? Well, this is where we part company. This is as close as I get to 1408, unless it's that time of the month. See you tomorrow. Mr. Enslin, please don't do this. You're listening to the Buzzkill Podcast.
1: This is episode 107, welcome to the Buzzkill Podcast, where today we're talking... The Numbers of the Beast! (laughs) I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. And uh, the Numbers of the Beast uh, is not a new wrestling tag team, even though it sounds like it. The Numbers of the Beast.
2: (laughs) That's actually it for me for the rest of the night. I can't do anything more. Well, that's it. My poor voice. Your poor, your poor voice. I'm not a professional vocalist like you are, Michael. Oh, don't
1: worry. I can't sing either. You should have been in my practice last <laughs> night, and I couldn't hit a note to save my life. Go on vocal rest, young man, or you're going to hurt yourself. did for the last three weeks. Oh I thought I'd be good. <clears throat> well. Anyway, uh, this is week three of our Stephen King birthday extravaganza celebration. Uh, celebrate good times tonight bash bash there we go that's that's
3: the the full title does that keep
1: getting longer (laughs) every week it's getting longer that's what
2: she said but
1: uh yeah this is uh (laughs) did she um this is week three and uh this week the 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 loose connection of all the movies is just that the titles do not have any letters in them just numbers how is that a loose connection uh because the movies could not be more different. That's true. Literally could not be more different.
2: but are years but, apart from each but other. But numbers are the universal language which makes mm. them very similar in a way. That's it's true. like
3: binary code or something.
2: Zero one one zero. <laughs> uh, zero one.
1: <laughs> if you get it, you get it.
2: Nobody gets nobody, it except nobody, us.
1: Nobody gets it, but it's funny to us. So Sent, fuck you all.
2: Slide into our DMs and we'll, uh, we'll explain it to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so before we get there though, um, what did you gentlemen do this week?
2: Uh, I went. I went. went on a bachelor party. You did. I did. Oh, who else was there? You Just, went
1: on a bachelor
2: party. So went, people usually
3: say I went to a bachelor party. So what do you mean you went on a bachelor party? <laughs> like there I was explained. the. Did there I was say was I went the, on
2: a bachelor party? There was the party. I, I guess was on it. I guess I should. I should have said I went on a bachelor party trip oh okay, oh fair enough. would that have made more sense i, I yeah that does because
3: if I, I imagine you just being on like mike said being on top of a bunch of guys <laughs> were, were you the entertainment <laughs> for the bachelor party? it wasn't
2: it wasn't completely unlike that uh no we went up to the rifle river mm-hmm. in sterling michigan you did just did a we had a we had a we had four dudes in a cabin and then go figure me and mike were by ourselves in a tent on the site yeah, next go, to it go figure it was go way figure. better it was, yeah, it was way better. Way better. Yeah. Uh, we, we played horror horror movie or horror movie trivial pursuit mm-hmm. until like four <laughs> thirty in the morning, drunk. Which I will say
1: this. We said uh we said last week there could be a correction this week. Yeah. About whether or not uh, oh we gave it this bad review last week. Listen, the game is fine, it's still too short though. We pretty much went through the entire deck of cards we in about did. two hours.
2: Between that one night of Mike and I playing and then our ride home, yeah. we pretty much went through every question. Yeah. So.
1: And so we had to like keep finding new cards because we
2: just knew everything already. We, we, just pre- we, knew, pretty much... we just knew everything. We are experts at the horror movies.
1: The horror movies. Yes. But no, so, it, was, it was fun. We, it was... We, we
2: did a lot of beer. Did some beers. Um. Um. Did you go on a lot of beers? I I
1: was (laughs) I was was. (laughs) we went on beer.
2: I was on beer all weekend. Actually, we did we did some beers. We uh, we
1: we played we played. I have to I have to I have to talk about it without talking about it. Let's talk about it. Um, (laughs) We played not we but we we witnessed the most vile game game show that I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, (laughs) without giving away
2: details, Um, it was we can say the name of the game right. Can we play the name? Yeah, it was called Match the Snatch. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell you where it happened. We won't tell you why it happened. But all you need to but know it, is it was called Match the Snatch. <laughs> and it was and uh, use your imagination for the rest.
1: Yeah, was that was an interesting experience.
2: We will tell you off air, but you know, you know the thing with bachelor parties—you're not face. supposed to talk about. I don't really understand that.
1: Um, probably.
2: Not, we didn't well, do anything really. Usually,
1: bad. it's because like the groom goes out and like gets late or something like that, and like knows Does that happen help. anymore? I do I, don't, I don't, usually. don't think
2: that happens. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, right. I haven't I I haven't gotten segment. married yet so but I, we I don't also know. went uh we went kayaking down the river mm-hmm. the rifle river spent a day out there drinking a lot of beers and just having a good time beautiful beautiful weather
1: we discovered Perfect
2: weather we discovered the beer stick we did
1: uh well you guys discovered it way better than I did it's
2: a beer stick <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's uh it's basically a giant syringe like like I don't know what was it about three feet long- Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That you fill with beer, ah, yeah, and then you just shoot it down your throat. <laughs>
1: I, I can't do it. I, I tried it once and I couldn't. But yeah, like, you Mike, know, you know when the, you're, you're drinking something really fast and you swallow, and so like you swallowed a rock and it just hurts. I did that three times in a row because my, 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 cheeks would fill up so much. I, I'm sorry. I can't just open my throat and take it down.
2: Mike's out of I'm, practice. I'm, <laughs> yeah, it used to be better than that. You gotta I'm just. So, I'm sorry. You gotta just relax the, relax the jaw, open the throat. Cup the balls. <laughs> that
1: It was missing balls. That's what it was. There you go. I couldn't, I didn't have the full, that that was it.
2: Oh, I'm going to buy one and I'm going I'm
1: <laughs> to put, put,
2: put a fresh set of testes on the bottom Get those for you, Mike. balls that they hang
3: off the back of pickup trucks. <laughs> <It's
2: exactly> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, what'd you do oh this week, God. Jay? Oh,
3: man. Had a, had a nice busy weekend. DJ at a wedding. Um, on other wedding stuff, my sister got engaged. Oh, yeah. Yes, so she did. That's kind of cool. cool. Good Congrats to for, her. and. For uh, some
1: reason, I thought they already were engaged. They'd just been together for eight years. Yeah, I, I, so. I just assumed that they were engaged. I don't know why I thought that. So they that, did that. So that's
3: exciting. Yeah. Uh, got the Mustang, the 10-year uh, pull everything apart, paint the frame, paint every inch, and rebuild every part brand new project you didn't over finish the past it, 10 years. I have to buy a battery, a serpentine belt and put some fresh fluids in the car. Really?
2: Yeah. Wow, man. That's and, been... and,
1: and then put the bumpers on and the run. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> but
2: to turn the that's key. To turn the key. Yeah.
3: That's it,
1: man. That's, that's awesome, exciting. dude.
2: That's been on a commission for, would you
3: say 10 years? 2000 March of 2008, I pulled oh, the engine wow. out. Have for I, for how long some have some I reason, known I, you then? 2005. Really? Was it 2005?
1: I've known you since I, I was seven. Because I remember driving in that car. So if you took it out 10 years ago, I, I thought that I've only known you guys for like 10 years. Apparently it's been longer than that.
2: Well, two thousand seven would have been eleven years ago.
1: That's true. Numbers, numbers. numbers, the oh. universal language. <laughs> oh. And none of us are understanding stand- understanding any of the numbers we're talking about right now. Uh, big shout yeah, out so to been <clears> fun man. Big shout out to Jay's mom for providing us with this nice, uh, nice this, bowl, is bowl is of how, chocolate. Is this Halloween
2: candy she bought already? It is. Wow. Trick or treat, motherfucker! Oh, You're right, Darla.
1: It, there, this is better though than like the pretzels that we normally have because we're crunching while reading. Yeah, we'll probably disguise that a lot better. Well, yeah,
3: I mean, let me see. Let me open this. Uh, <laughs> next, uh, <laughs> you know,
1: just qu-
2: let me just quietly open this right here. And, All right, uh, fair. <laughs> but we'll the, candies,
1: the candies themselves.
2: Candy okay. is delicious. Speaking of things that aren't delicious, why don't we get into corrections for the week? Mm-hmm. Tasty.
1: Stupid!
3: You're so stupid!
1: All right, so uh, Vito called us out. Oh, A couple it, things Vito. once again. Um, the movie that we were thinking of with uh, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen,
2: the garbage men, is called Men at Work. Oh, we couldn't think of the title of it. I looked it up while we were talking about it, and then I meant to bring it up, and I just but never you, did. <laughs> you <just> love <laughs> that band, um, but thank you, thank Mike you, Mike. Also
1: mentions, you know, we talked about the yellow gremlin that was in a lot of these movies. Yeah, and Mike brought up an interesting thing. I'm going to read what he sent to me uh, via text here. He goes, okay. "You mentioned that a yellow gremlin is featured in Halloween, Cujo, and Christine." Two of those are Stephen King adaptations, two of those are Carpenter films, but they aren't all connected, so it is not intentional. And then my response to him was unless it's like an ode to each other? Yeah. But without them actually coming out and saying it, who knows? With the way that we talked about it though, he's right, we did talk about how like it was like a signature for all the films what but- who knows if, if it actually was
2: or not? I'm gonna file this one under "Mind Your Own Business," Vito, <laughs> and just let us be happy. Just uh, let us enjoy some things. Vito, I don't actually care. It's just James. Just I, I do care. Um, you got anything else? Nope, that's it. Uh, actually, I, I just remembered that I did have one. Uh, this is from Carney. He said we did, he didn't know, he didn't know if we would have caught this one uh, last week when we had Tank. On the show, Tank said Lord of the Rings came out in 2005. Fellowship of the Rings came out in
1: 2001. Oh, Tank. <laughs> oh, Tank You just lost. <laughs> you Tank, tanked. tank he, tanked it. He just lost so much like street cred. So much street cred, nerd in,
2: cred in his <laughs> D&D group. Well, good thing he has so much street cred that that loss of street cred doesn't even matter. That's true. He is He's just oozing with street cred, so he's good to go. Okay. Good to go. All
1: right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's all we got for corrections. Then. That's it. All, <clears> right. <throat> all right, James. So this week, like uh, like we both mentioned earlier, we're talking about the numbers of the beast. Mm-hmm. The beast in question being Stephen King. Uh, 1922 is the first movie we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Followed by 1408. Or you, we might not you? actually talk about them in that in that well, order. Well, we should.
1: Historically, that's the order they go.
2: Histor. <laughs> no. What? <laughs> 1922 and 1408 oh you're, go- you're not going by the numbers <laughs> no. you're going by the okay <laughs> I thought, periods <laughs> i thought you meant like uh like 20th century versus 19- or 15th century here um so we are drinking 312 a goose. nice a nice urban wheat ale from uh Sweet. wheat ale where did all my notes just go i don't know a nice urban wheat ale from goose island I do uh, love Goose Island. This is a beer that we've all had before, so mm-hmm. there's not going to be too many surprises. But
1: And James James picked
2: up the beers today. I did. I was kind of surprised. I was out at the market and uh, I just thought I'd do you a solid for once. Hey man, appreciate that. I thought I would do you solid. Ooh. Uh, so, with a hazy straw color and a light <laughs> lemon aroma, 312 Urban Wheat Ale's flavor flows from start to finish. I also did a little bit of uh, manipulation with the numbers here okay? because I wanted to figure this out, uh, and then I finally did when I got here. So 1922, 1408, and 312. If you put those in columns and you add each of the columns, so with... uh, You'd get two under the... Nine, uh, just imagine you're adding yep, these in columns. Yep, yep. This is this common core math or is this regular? No, screw common core. I think,
1: I think this is more Sudoku.
2: <laughs> you get two... <laughs> I have been playing Sudoku lately. You get two and then you get 16 and then you get three and then you get 12. Okay. You rearrange the numbers. Uh, you, I'm basically looking at this as uh, two and 16 are a group and three and 12 are a group. Do you, uh, do you have this in an Excel spreadsheet you can show me? <laughs> no, I just sketched it out right here. Uh, so if you take the three twelve and you and you rearrange it to two and thirty one, two times thirty one equals sixty two, and then you add two plus one plus six gets you seventy one, which is how old Stephen King will be later this month. It all adds up, boys. Oh, I thought <laughs> it's like this was meant to be. Fair, right?
1: Yeah. That I, th- I thought you were saying. I thought you were gonna say that it all added up to fourteen oh eight. Is what I thought you're going to Oh, that had. would have been much cooler. But.
3: <laughs> that reminded me of the uh, the the old thing when you were a kid with the calculator, where you flip it upside down and you're like, there was a lady who had 69 inch boobs. You type 69 <laughs> in, do you remember this one? Yeah. And she, and then I don't remember had, the, the actual story. She thought, story to, to, she she thought it, though. they were too, too, too big. <laughs> <laughs> so she had to take 51 pills eight times a day. Oh, I did that wrong. She ended up far away, but she used to end up boobless, she, upside down. She ended up with
1: Bo.
2: I guess. I guess if you were shrinking your boobs, you might end up with Bo.
1: Or it was just, or it was just Bob.
2: Or Bab. <laughs> All right. Cheers, boys. While you're figuring that out, let's give this a little sipper. Mmm. Yum. I do mm-hmm.
1: love uh, anything Goose Island, especially their uh, their Bourbon County. You gotta get some from your dad this year, dude. The bur- I, um,
2: that's I you haven't just, had it you in just a few years. To, You just need to come to Bad Axe. He's got a bunch of it down in his basement, aging.
1: Well, I want, I want some of the new stuff too, though. I don't want to drink your dad's good stuff. Why? I mean, I do want to drink it. Don't he's, get me wrong. He's very but, generous with it. Oh, he's very generous, very generous, indeed. not only with his beer. He's a generous man. very generous man. Very generous. Very. very, very, <laughs> very...
2: <laughs> no, uh, their Bourbon County Stout is a lot to your mom. Fantastic! It's delicious. <laughs> Shut up. That's how I was made. Um. Yeah, anyway, delicious beer. Mm -hmm. That's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. Let's get into the bleed feed.
1: All right. It is the bleed feed. These are your headlines for this week. Uh, Got to start off with um, an unfortunate death. Um, rest in peace to uh, Pasquale Bubba. Uh, Pasquale Bubba uh, is a long was the longtime editor for George A. Romero. Mm-hmm. Did a ton of Romero movies such uh, such as Day of the Dead, Creepshow, Monkey Shines, The Dark Hack, Dark Half. Uh,
2: plus the dark hack, <laughs> the dark the hack. Hack. That's yeah.
1: you. Um But he did a ton of other Romero flicks. He also edited Michael Mann's Heat, which we just talked about last week. And I can yeah. say that I now that I've seen it, uh, that movie is amazing because of the editing. That movie's incredibly well edited.
2: When did he die? Did he die before or after you watched that? Uh, he died just after. You cursed him. Like, oh bastard.
1: But uh, he died at the age of seventy-two from uh, cancer. Oh. Um, he actually did uh, an episode of the movie Crypt, uh, Adam Green and Joe Lynch's uh, Movie Crypt podcast, mm-hmm. and it's so a it's it is a fascinating, fascinating documentary or uh, or episode. Yeah, um, I don't know why it's a documentary. Uh, I guess that shows kind of like a audio documentary, Ooh, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, he um, he had just he just started his cancer treatments like the week after week of them doing that that interview. Uh huh. And then uh, how, long, he actually, how long ago was he on there? Uh, this was maybe a year ago, mm. maybe less than a year ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can find out and correct that next week. But um, he um, he he came back though in the middle of his cancer treatments for their forty eight hour marathon that they do. Yeah. And, and so so this this guy just loved. Doing what he did, you know, he loved talking about it. Loved, you know, loved all that. And uh, guy leaves behind a, a body of work that will that is legendary. Yeah. So uh, rest in peace rest to in Pasquale Bubba. Um, speaking of things um, that are not quite dead, yeah, that's a segue. That's a very to segue, segue with a little flat tire, I think. Though. <laughs> um, so the Chiotos brothers have been talking. Not the band. Not not oh. not not the band.
2: <laughs> I hate that my mind immediately went to them.
1: We're we'll sick. Okay, oh, um, God, that was my my best impression of them. Uh, yeah. So the Chodos brothers, the directors of uh, the cult classic Killer Clowns of Outer mm-hmm. Space, uh, they have been they were talking uh, at Monster Palooza this weekend, uh, talking about uh, all things Killer Clowns, and uh, I have a little uh, little thing to read, uh, quote if you will, about. Uh, some killer clown stuff.
2: Hit me with
1: it. He says, uh, "I when, when talking about a sequel to Killer Clowns, they said uh, I used to I used to say don't hold your breath, but things have been happening right now. I I would say you can hold your breath now. Uh, the, the success of it recently has kind of educated of people in, in the industry that clowns are cool, clowns are scary, and they're looking at horror properties now more seriously than ever. Is that I your phone say,
2: vibrating? Is it mine? Take it off of the table. Oh, I thought oh, geez, it was yours. Louise. No." <laughs>
1: Sorry, go ahead. Um, Sorry. Uh, (laughs) They're looking at horror properties more seriously now than ever. I can say something will be happening with Killer Clowns from Outer Space in the near future. Nice. Absolutely. Cool. So that's very cool. So it it doesn't say we're getting a sequel, but it says we're getting a sequel. (laughs) But something. (laughs) There's also a huge Killer Clowns thing right now at the Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, which is, is really, really cool. It's amazing you can walk through, and I've seen some photos of it. Mm-hmm. It looks incredible. Once again, another year is going by where I wish I could go to the Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah,
3: Bliss! I figured it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? The, the calculator thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got it. You don't add them all, you write them all together. She had to... 69 inch boobs, <laughs> and then you continue the numbers. She thought they were too, too, too big. She had to take 51 pills, and then eight times a day, Time so eight. times eight, and she
2: ended up boobless. <laughs> <laughs> Who the oh hell figures God.
1: that out? Kids, that's incredible. Kids and me, just now. Kids are kids are dumb. You and don't. kids are so way so smarter
2: than a of that was be. newsworthy. Okay, yeah, that Sorry was for, for, newsworthy. It no, was, that's, that was, I actually completely agree with that when interjection. You're, when you're <laughs> watching
3: the news and they're showing a story and they cut it off and they're breaking news. <laughs> this, just in. But, ah, ah. this
2: Justin, but
3: this <laughs> Justin.
1: Continue. Right. Sorry. <laughs> so, so most of the news this week is uh, actually Warranted. sequel, sequel related, because mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't a whole lot this week. This weekend, in, a uh, in news. Uh, Zombieland Two. We talked a little while back about how they're finally going to be moving forward with uh, the sequel for yes. that. Yes. Uh, Their uh, shooting is starting in January, and it is going to be in theaters October 11th of next year. So that's pretty fucking awesome.
2: Um, we were talking about this on the river a little bit, mm-hmm. and I'm just I want to throw my theory out real quick. And just because then we can look back on this and say James was right. Okay. I think they're going to kill off Tallahassee. Okay. Which is uh, Woody Harrelson's yep. character. I think, think they're so? going to do it. I'm okay. just making that call right now. I'm just Fine. throwing it
1: out there. I think that, that way
2: everybody can know that I was right when it actually happens. I think that Bill Murray is going to come back as a zombie. I do agree with that as well. Because he never, because right. they didn't blow his head off nope. in the last he one. He got bit. Right. So I, Wait, I, he got bit. No. Didn't he get bit? No, he, he got shot in the chest with a shotgun.
1: That's the one.
2: And he died. He but did die. He can still come back. But they didn't blow his head off, so he is going to come back as a zombie. Kill off Tallahassee, Bill Murray as a zombie. You heard it here first, and uh, that's all that's, you need to know. <laughs> that's all there is to
1: it. <laughs> Alright, uh, speaking of uh, sequels, uh, Adam Green <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, confirms that there will be more Hatchet sequels. Uh, he was uh, talking to uh, UK's uh, The Horror Channel, and uh, he was talking about how, when uh, when Hatchet first came out, he wrote the first three films as one huge story, uh, adding things into the first film that you wouldn't realize were important until you know uh, the second sequel or the first sequel and the second sequel. Uh, he didn't; he was, it was risky because he didn't know if he was ever even going to make more. But uh, because of the success of the rest of the series and because of the success of Victor Crowley, the newest one, he said there absolutely will be more Hatchet movies. In the future, awesome. and that's pretty cool. So yeah. no, nothing concrete, but he is saying that that the Hatchet series is not done. I know people were kind of questioning it on how well you know Victor Crowley actually <laughs> did. So that's uh, that's fantastic news.
2: I think it's do we have any other you know because we used to have a, a slew of big slasher movies that had a lot of sequels. You know what I mean uh-huh. to choose from, and the fact and that the he the fact owns. that he's kind of taking up the mantle mm-hmm. and giving us. I I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen the third one. Oh, it's so good. And I haven't seen Victor Crowley yet.
1: Let we get back but to our it, but normal, I love uh, Adam.
2: I love Adam Green and he doesn't really do bad work, so the fact that he's the guy who's taking up the mantle of bringing us the good old-fashioned slasher sequel, I'm into it. This could be
1: a good retrospective coming up here. Being that there's not going to be another one for a while. Yeah. All four of them are out breaking up into two uh, two episodes. Yeah, for sure. We could do that. We cool. should do that very soon. All right, let's do it. Um yeah, okay, uh, so I only have one more little bit of news, but before we get there,
2: what's new on Blue, baby? Oh, what's new on Blue, baby? I'll tell you. Let me tell you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting. <laughs> <laughs> just a second. The temptation can be so divine. Or, uh, not temptation. What's the What's the word I'm looking for? Anticipation. The, an- the antici... I fucked that up. <clears throat> Patient. And I also just dropped my phone. Here we go. Uh, the new... Three-disc limited edition 4K restoration of L- William Lustig Lustig's Maniac that we learned about back in June has been pushed back from November 13th to a December 11th release. Boo. Uh, this is good news, though. Oh, yay. Uh, because <laughs> uh, the company putting it out, Blue Underground, has told us, quote, this is to accommodate the good news. We've decided to make the second disc a Blu-ray instead of a DVD. We're moving the majority of extras over to disc two, allowing more space to accommodate the feature at a much higher bit rate. Our goal is to give Maniac the best presentation possible on Blu-ray. Okay,
3: so, so they're just pushing so it back so they can do a little thing.
2: more a, a little more work with it and, cool. uh, and give you the best product for your money. Cool. That's good news. <clears throat> Second up, an October release date has been announced by Warner Archive Collection for the made-for-TV movie Bad Ronald. This 1974 cult classic about a family who moves into a house unaware of the psychotic teenager living in a secret room is getting its first Blu-ray release with a new 1080p HD remaster. Creepy. And knowing Warner Warner Archive Collection that's Warner Warner <laughs> Knowing Warner Archive Collection that's pretty much all you're getting from it is just a remaster and nothing else you can just sit on your thumb for the rest. And that's it. That's it? That's all that's new on Blue, baby. Oh, that's, that's disappointing. Well. What's not disappointing,
1: speaking of sequels, mm-hmm. brought it right back there. That was nice. Um, a little while back, I told you how I, uh, I purchased and pre-ordered the new Halloween OST. No,
3: you
2: didn't. Uh, without. You never said anything about that. I did.
1: <laughs> Dead. Uh, without ever hearing anything off of it, and I'm like, it's John Carpenter and it's Halloween. How could yeah. it possibly be bad? Well, just today they released the first full track off of uh, off of the record, mm-hmm. and uh, it is absolutely just as amazing as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So if you ever, if you had, if anybody had any reservations about uh, this new new take on the Halloween theme, that's pretty much what they released. Yeah. Uh, I was the title of the track was called uh, "The Shape Returns." Ooh. And it starts off with mostly of the. It's like it sounds a lot like the old theme, mm-hmm. and then like halfway through, it kind of goes into the new stuff, and it's 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 really cool. I love it a lot. I I cannot wait for the rest of this record to come out. Um, but yeah, so you heard it.
2: So that was just a little uh, little taste. Yep. Of where you're gonna, n- yep, gonna get it? N- uh, uh, the, mail. the track
1: was like three and a half uh, three and a half minutes long. Cool. But uh, for anybody that was worried, maybe that it wouldn't be as good as the original, because you know, mm-hmm. you know, oh, John Carpenter's old. I've actually had I've actually heard people say that like online online <coughs> forums fuck the internet right
2: i don't know if you've noticed but most people are stupid yeah, yeah that's true so
1: <laughs> but um those people can uh eat their dicks because
2: yeah. uh it's fantastic and if you don't have a dick find one and eat it yeah a yeah. big chomp, bag of them. chomp chomp <laughs> i love your color commentary <laughs> that's just tonight. what i was picturing in my
3: head the sound of that chomp boobless
2: chomp. it was boobless <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, that is your news for uh, this week.
2: Alrighty.
3: And on this episode of Words of Wisdom with Wilson, from Lady Astor to Winston Churchill, if you were my husband, I'd put poison
2: in your coffee.
3: Boom! That was the news. <laughs> that that's pretty horrific. And yeah, from right? and that, from
2: win- and from Winston Churchill to Lady Astor, my dear woman, if you were my wife, I would drink it. That's actually what his response was. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know that? Huh? How do you know that? I don't know. It's like
1: a famous quote. You cultured swine. <laughs> yes, Will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, uh, we, I don't think we've ever been this ahead of schedule in, in the history of
2: this show. This is crazy. So, we're going to take a few minutes just to... <sighs> Jerk each other off.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then uh,
2: <laughs> and let you let you listen in.
1: And then we'll be back with the uh, the tofu talking uh, numbers, crunching the numbers. <laughs> God, that's so gross.
0: Throughout this, we will see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description.
1: so as far as Stephen King is concerned you know I think most people most people know Stephen King for his like his downright horror his scary clowns his his evil
2: cars his you know he's you know very Stephen King type stuff I mean some of his best adaptations are the dramatic adaptations though
1: which as somebody who is not an avid Stephen King reader like myself though mm-hmm. most of the stuff that I think I think me and I, I'm not I don't think that I'm alone in this I think most people that only know Stephen King by his pop culture reputation yeah you know they don't they don't know about that that more dramatic uh psychological horror kind of stuff that, mm-hmm. that he writes about. Uh which which was the case for uh the first film that we're gonna be talking about called nineteen twenty two. That's right. Uh this came out in twenty seventeen. It was a Netflix exclusive, so uh go uh, go get your Netflix on and watch it. Yeah. Uh this is star directed by a guy named Zach uh Zach Hilditch. It's a whole hill of ditches. Um <laughs> starring uh an almost completely unrecognizable Thomas Jane.
2: Yeah. Uh wow. holy crap. Yeah. Quite a uh, quite a performance, quite yeah. a look. Like you said, he was unrecognizable. Yeah, like he didn't I, look I, like
1: him. He didn't sound like yeah. it. Like his his southern drawl he was doing was so. It was a it was s- accurate. Don't get me wrong. Like I know that there are people down south that literally have that that those super super thick techn- like techn- like the Colonel Colonel Sanders has Te- one.
2: Technically, <laughs> if because the this takes place in. Um, uh, Hemingford, uh, Hemingford Home, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nebraska is technically a midwestern state. Mm, um, true. So,
1: so where did it, that come from then?
2: Well, it's a, this. This is historically a, a pretty typical Nebraskan uh, accent that he's doing. Like okay. he actually he actually worked pretty extensively with a vocal coach to get down the. The really? traditional Nebraska I guess, accent. I
1: guess if you're not from like we're from the Midwest, obviously, but if you're not, Nebraska from, is a
2: Midwestern state. No,
1: that's what I'm saying though. Like we're from the Midwest, and when we when we go out of state, people tell us that we have accents. Right. Maybe some of you, you know, people listening to us, you know, in in lesser states, <laughs> are uh, you know, they, you listen to us and you think that we have accents. I, I I go to Virginia sometimes to visit family, and they or my or my family from Virginia rather uh, when I'm visiting with them. They they think that we talk weird.
2: Listen to these kooky accents, right? Also, the words we use, like they don't pop, speak very good, like pop instead of soda. Well, speak to yourself. I, I always say soda. I, uh, I say soda. You guys <laughs> say soda. I do. Yeah, I say it sometimes, but I mean pop is way better. I used to say soda,
3: and now I say Lacroix. <laughs> 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 the um, the uh, when we were in Hawaii quite a few years back, they had um uh, they thought that we were Canadian. We were in a store like Whole Foods or something, getting some food for the weekend. <clears throat> Um, I go to my dad. Instead of saying like, "Hey, do you want any of these grapes?" I was just like Midwesterners kind of cut off the H a little bit. You're like, "Hey, do you hey. want?" Mm-hmm. And uh, hey. and they go, "Oh, you're Canadian?" Well, I don't know. Why. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I did that that accent. That's not a Hawaiian accent. <laughs> <laughs> but they they asked if I was Canadian, and I was like, "Oh,
2: Michigan." And uh, yeah, one of my favorite things recently is uh, our buddy Brian. <laughs> fucking fucking Brian is uh he, he weird. Somebody was talking about the Midwest and he said uh, he put in quotes he's like it would be more accurate if they said oh, uh, can i get by you there <laughs> like cuz we do we say oh, for some reason mm-hmm. it's like is it like a like is it is it supposed to be like whoops yep i or guess mine's like oh like oh let me get by you yeah, yeah. Well, i
1: have a, <laughs> I have a bone to pick too this is going a little off topic but i have a bone to pick with the idea of calling it calling the midwest the midwest it really does not make any sense no cut the cut the country in half we are too... We're to the east of the middle of the country. We would be the middle, the mid, middle east, technically speaking. <laughs> we would be. It's because nobody wants to call it the Middle East. But we would be though. <laughs> calling it the midwest, the mid, calling it the mid east makes way more sense than calling it the Midwest. It, just, I, it literally just does not make sense.
2: I'm a proud Midwesterner. But it. As far as I'm concerned, Michigan's the only Midwestern state.
1: <laughs> that
2: matters. The rest of them all can all get it fucked. Must be. I mean, it's the only state
3: that looks like a hand. <laughs> so come on now. It's it's Midwest.
1: Yeah, the Midwest. Um, anyway, <laughs> <where you're> <laughs> to, I, I've never understood the the idea of calling it the Midwest. It's never made sense to me. But uh, anyway, though, yeah, coming from coming from
2: nothing. Shut up. Go well, ahead. What,
1: something just table just talk. No, be right. Table talk going on um no, no coming from michigan though like not being from nebraska not hearing a lot of those those dialects even from the midwest like to me that sounded southern but i guess you go to nebraska and they would know ex- ex- it would sound completely normal to some
2: people well nowadays. this is also 1922 nebraska so it's is that when it took place uh I, what's, <laughs> what's the name of this movie yeah, 1922, oh, I oh,
1: think. Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't realize there was a correlation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, anyway, though. So uh, Thomas Jane, uh, you'd know from uh, The Punisher, or uh, another Stephen King uh, adaptation, The Mist, or um, from the greatest movie in his catalog,
2: Deepest, bluest. My head is like, Deepest, was he? That is like a dark Are you tale? kidding me Dude, right I now? I haven't seen Deep Blue Sea in forever. What? I know, Michael. I quit. I quit. All right, Mike's done leading this is our last episode you See guys.
3: guys hi guys i'm the new mike <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the buzz scale podcast i got about you know what i'm gonna tell you a joke no, the,
2: the voice is too high or too low you gotta take it higher
3: i'm gonna tell you a joke here <laughs> so what do you get when you cross a good drinking beer with a nice looking woman i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a mic joke. That was a mic joke. <laughs> Spot on impression. I loved it. Oh
1: god. Yeah. I don't I don't ever have to come back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please please don't.
1: All right. Um I can't believe you didn't realize that Tom Jane was in
2: Deep Blue Sea? Dude, if I would if I had watched it in the last five years, he then yeah, yes, the, he was the chef. Yeah, I what? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's the one who taught me how to make the perfect omelet. That's he's the okay. one. Okay, all right. No, I remember also,
1: now. Also, also st- uh, stalling, starring stalling. Uh, Molly Parker. Uh, she was in. Uh, she's been in a bunch of stuff. She was in the uh, Nicholas Cage Wickerman Man movie, uh, Deadwood on HBO, which is a pretty popular show. I've not watched it. Uh, I know her though mostly from the new Netflix Lost in Space. She played the mom oh. in the new Lost in Space series, which okay. was amazing. If if you haven't watched it. Uh, who else we got? Uh, the last big main person here would be uh, uh, Dylan Schmidt, who played uh, Henry who was uh, the son in the story.. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, what you got here in 1922 is a simple yet proud farmer in the year 1922 conspires to murder his wife for financial gain, convincing his teenage son to assist, but their actions have unintended consequences. Uh, yeah, that they do.
1: If you've ever've ever thought about uh, murdering your wife, Uh, to uh, maybe get her, maybe she owns your house, and you wanted the house. I will say this. Keep talking. I will say (laughs) this. Keep talking. I will say this. Don't do it. Oh, okay. Unless you have a cow in a well, I suppose. Then maybe maybe you can get away with it. I
2: have a really fat Japanese dog. (laughs) (laughs) In <laughs> a hole in a sandbox, in <laughs> a, a hole that my my rain my rain spout has made. Well, uh, speaking of uh,
3: actions that have unintended consequences, what do you got going over there? What's going on there, Jim? Oh okay,
2: god. so uh, so Justin's lovely mom put out this um, this basket of oh my god
3: <laughs> this basket that? of Halloween
2: candy for us, and we started talking about. I accidentally said I really want to. I wanted to say I want a Snickers and a Twix earlier, or a Twix and a Snickers, and I accidentally said Twickers, and I thought that was funny. So we started talking at the break about um, what it, what it would be called if you put all of these together. We have we have M and M's, three Musketeers, Milky Way, uh, uh, Snickers, and Twix, and we came up with mmm <laughs> three Milky Twickers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I made a three uh, and okay. mm, three Milky Twickers, and Michael's gonna <laughs> Michael's gonna try it for us here.
1: Uh, you base you basically made me diabetes. Yeah, I just <clears> that's what you
2: made me. I smashed them all together, and hold, what's it, that called there, Gun? It looks I got it. on the, the, the old videographer <laughs> it's camera. a mm, three Milky Twickers. <laughs> you don't have the Milky Way in there though. No, but that's we'll right. imagine it's there. Oh my god! So I've really smashed her together, good. And uh, Mike. Is... Not, if you
1: thought this podcast was about uh, movies, you were sadly mistaken today. Well,
2: it's it's about it's just a it's a slice of life, is really what it is. <laughs> it's a slice of something. It's a slice of <laughs> mm, three Milky <laughs> Twickers. So, Mike's gonna pop this entire thing in his mouth right now. Not the entire thing. I'm uh, think about The, I'm the I'm entire thing. You have to you have to make sure you get all of the pieces. Oh my god. hmm It's a mess.
3: <laughs> it looks
2: like a raccoon turd <laughs> It's got the berries in it And everything like, man
1: <laughs> looks See I was thinking more
2: like one of those little uh, Those owl pouches where you can cut them open And you find like dead rats yeah, inside the pellets.
1: Oh. oh my god mm-hmm. Try it It feels like a raccoon turd too I'm not gonna lie to you Try it do it <laughs> Alright
2: James my boy Yeah I think you're onto something. Is it delightful? Oh, I guess just do I, it. I got to try it. Just do it. I'm on a little bit of a diet because we got a wedding coming up, but fuck it. I'm not, just going to eat the rest of this. That's fine.
1: It's it's everything that you want it to be. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> this is going to... I'm going to spiral out of control. I have a really bad sweet tooth, so once sugar hits my lips, once... Tomorrow, I'm just going to... Sugar lips! Once I... Like, tomorrow, I'm just going to raid my cupboard for sweets. <clears throat> do it. Mmm. That's really good though. It was really good. It's so, like, if folks. you ever
1: thought, um, an, mm, three milky Twickers <laughs> is uh, absolutely delicious.
2: <laughs> Man, screw whatchamacallit. Uh, uh, whoa, whoa. I know, I know. Bite your tongue. I know that's a touchy subject because the whatchamacallit <sighs> is delightful, and I think it's probably Mike's favorite.
1: No, it's not my favorite. But my, fav- my but favorite, my favorite, mm,
2: three Milky Twickers is a damn fine snack. I
1: think a Watchamacallit might be my, it's in my top three. Mm-hmm. My favorite though is is something that, um, who is it? So, someone I know can't stand them. I know it's you. You can't stand them. What? A zero bar. The zero bar is my
2: favorite candy bar under the sun. You are weird. I'm like anything wrapped in white chocolate is just seems bizarre. I love white chocolate though. I it's like white chocolate, chocolate too. It's, no, not, it's even not even real I chocolate. I like white chocolate too, but there's something about seeing uh seeing it in bar form that's really unsettling. Unless it's um uh, the cookies and cream Hershey's.
1: It's just no fine. different than like an albino poop.
2: No, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns on this one. I think nope. you're weird. Nope. And the only time I bought one to see if you were right about it or not, it was horribly stale. So no, I, it was I had a bad moldy experience, too, wasn't it? Like no, it, it wasn't, was, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't moldy. It was just it was bad it was though. old and stale. It was bad. No, I I will give I it a try again sometime. But. I had
1: one uh, last week.
2: Oh, anyway,
1: back to uh back to 1922. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh yeah, so you read the synopsis um you have to It's a very this is a very I'm not gonna call it a slow burn because it's got a different pace than your standard slow burn, but it is very slow. It, it is definitely a drama. Like,
2: it's yeah. It's I was gonna say it's not even really um, it's it's not a horror. It's sort it's it's in line with Stephen King's dramatic adaptations for sure, like Shawshank and mm-hmm. uh, Green Mile, which it's like a it's a tragedy. It's like a yeah, kind of. It's a tragedy with a little bit of horror mixed <clears> in. You know what I mean.
3: <laughs> what <are you> <laughs> I was for the for the website and that i was trying to find a s- nice screen capture of a uh, mic right before he gets that three milky twickers in his mouth <laughs> and there's a scene where <laughs> 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 that going in slow motion <laughs> 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 i couldn't contain myself i was boobless
0: <laughs> oh my god
2: oh sweet 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 um no, it's uh it's definitely and I like I I definitely picked up on it's it's kind of like uh like an old West version of the Telltale Heart by mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe, wouldn't you say?
1: I have that <clears> in <throat> my notes. That oh, really? This, this actually feels more Poe like than it does Stephen King. Yeah. Um so after I mean it's in the description so it's not really a spoiler, but after he kills his wife, when he's scrubbing it, he keeps, like, seeing the blood spots. And he keeps, like, there's certain things that remind him of what he did. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I, like, like, literally, I thought it was, it says, uh, what's here, uh, reminds me of Poe a lot, very Telltale Heart. Yeah. Those were my
2: notes. More than anything, it's the, the sound, like, because in, you know, in in the Telltale Heart, it's the sound mm-hmm. of uh, the heart the beating. The heart beating, yep. In this, it's the the sound of the rats, like, scraping at yes. the walls and Stephen stuff like King that.
1: Stephen King has a thing with rats, too. Mm-hmm. He loves rats for, like, visual visual representations of evil yeah. or
2: whatever. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of that. I mean, in every Stephen King adaptation, there's, there's like, Stephen King-esque tropes that show up and everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's definitely one of them. Uh, but, yeah, overall, uh, just, I like... Not to, I mean, we'll get into more details, but overall, I love this movie.
1: I loved it too. I um, I thought that it's funny. You know, we talked about Thomas Jane's uh, accent that he that he used. Yeah. And for the first, I don't know, I would say for the almost the first half of the movie, it was almost distracting because mm-hmm. it was so. In heavy, like it was such a heavy accent. He's like, and his wife didn't talk that way. His son didn't really talk the way. His neighbors didn't. He's the only one that really had that type of drawl to, to it's his almost, voice.
2: It's almost like he had that drawl, but also like the way the way he talked. Like he never he never separated his teeth. It was no. almost like his jaw was wired mm-hmm. shut. And I didn't I, like I didn't know if that was supposed to like he had chaw in his cheek all the time. But I think it, I think it's just how he talked. Yeah, which was a. It was just like an interesting. Choice for the character, like for, for like, that's the way but he was talks effective. and that's a, oh, but it. Oh, yeah, was, it was absolutely awesome. effective. Though. There were a few times though, it I added admit... a
1: creepiness to his character, like mm-hmm. like not creepiness in like a in a boo horror you know kind of way. It just made him very unique. He was in, a, yeah, you could just tell like his. It added to his dark personality, mm-hmm. you know, to the kind of personality that would kill his wife. You know, like <laughs> you know, it, it it was just it was kind of the building blocks of but, his character.
2: But though. at the same time, he had moments where I like. <clears throat> He describes in the beginning of the movie how he believes that every man inside of him has another man who's a conniving man, and that's that's the side of him that kind of took over for the entire movie. But mm-hmm. there was definitely good in him, and even though he had that sort of creepiness about him, there were some moments where he was really like a you know a caring father. And well, and
1: I think it, that's the that's the problem with with characters like that, or not problem, but that's the thing about characters like that is that you know they're. They're not inherently evil, even though they do these heinously evil things, mm-hmm. because he's he's doing it because he thinks that it's the only way that he can save his life. Like right. like his the way that he lives his life is the only way that this can work. It's the only way he feels as though she was uh, that his wife is going to take everything from him: his son, his well, land, I, yeah, his, well, his I, livelihood. I wrote
2: is, I wrote down a quote. I I actually wrote wrote it down in. Uh, in hindsight, from memory, so I don't know if this is the exact quote, but he says something like, um, uh, "A man's pride is his land mm-hmm. and his boy."
1: I have no pride then,
2: and I don't know <laughs> shit. Well, he said, "He said back then a man's pr- a man's pride was uh, was his land and his boy," and that's that that pretty much sums up the entire thing. He was fi- he was he, fighting for he his was pride. fighting for his his land because his wife. Uh, <laughs> His wife was left a sizable chunk of land by her father, mm-hmm. and that got added to his land um, when they got married. And she ends up getting to the point where she really hates the country life, and she wants to sell the land to uh, to a big ho- like a hog slaughter operation mm-hmm. and move to the city. And he said, you know, the city's for cities for idiots. And uh, and he really didn't want to move away from, like, because, like you said, a man's land is his pride and his boy. Those were yep. the two things in the world that he cared about the most. And uh, so he fought for them in the only way that he could think how to fight for them. Well, and, she had
1: the upper hand, and he knew it.
2: Right. Because like, she got, left.
1: She could sell the land. Right. She was going to take the kid. He was going to have little, generally nothing. And, I mean, he still would have had his land
2: that he owned.
1: But it was like the hundred acres that right. bat, that there was, it was butted up next to property where they wanted to put like a rail through or something like that, or there was some some. Uh,
2: I don't remember there was exactly. some industry it was, that
1: was coming in that they didn't want next to him. Well,
2: it was what the it was. it was the hog slaughter industry, that he didn't want to sell to because that's who she wanted to sell to because mm-hmm. they were offering some obscene amount of money, which you know an obscene amount of money back then was like thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, but uh, he didn't want them coming in, and then he could have i guess he could have sold to his neighbor who he was technically friends with he tried to but he really well he tried to <laughs> at the end
1: not the right time
2: um but really all he wanted to do was stay out on the farm and live that life mm-hmm. and she was her mind was somewhere else. So I guess, what and there was a turn where he said, "You know, throughout this, I, I came to hate her." And then yeah. that's that's as soon as like as soon as he says, "I came to hate her," you can see the gears turning in his head. He's like trying to figure out how he's gonna keep his land and his boy and get rid of his wife at the same time.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and I guess what, what I was what I was saying is like he he did these despicably evil things, but I don't think that it came from a despicably evil place. Like he was doing. He was trying to preserve himself in the only way that he knew how. It wasn't right. because he was a bad guy. It's just he was ill-advised, I guess, or or you know, his his intentions were good, practices were bad, like right. that that kind of deal. Right. And um, so I, it so it, it gives it gives him a lot of layers, mm-hmm. and, I, and I and I like that about this movie. Like, and, and there's at one time, and he's smart too. Like like when he killed his wife and threw it on the well, I said, "Well, the cops are going to come, and we need to explain that stench away." You know, or or, or, well, or said, explain why well, we need to the, fill the well. Well, in. His,
2: his son says, "Shouldn't we be filling that well?" And he says, "You know, the, if the cops come looking for her, they're gonna they're gonna want to know why uh, the well is filled up, mm-hmm. a fresh filled up well. But if there's a well that's in the process of being filled up, they're not gonna they're not gonna yeah. wonder about that. So they actually, you know, there's gonna be spoilers, obviously, but yeah. they end up leading one of their cows over to the well, poor mm-hmm. cow, and having her stand on top of the the uh, the boards, and then she falls in, and then they kind of—that's they, when they contrived the story that one of their cows got out and got up there and fell into the well, and they had to shoot her. So now uh, they're filling up the well. Mm-hmm. I like how the sheriff just doesn't even. Well, oh, yeah, I, think I don't the need sheriff, to see that. The
1: sheriff at that point though wanted to believe them. Like didn't right. didn't want to believe that anything
2: foul was coming, even though. Well, I'm sure. Like I, I'm, but him involving his son was probably the smartest move on his part because nobody's going to believe that a 14 year old kid or 15 year old whatever he was is capable of you know killing their mother murdering their own mother so he as long as the son was able to go along with it and act his role yeah you know
1: and it's it's funny tom jane like is it really shows how good of an actor he is by by being this superb actor at playing this guy who was a terrible actor like whenever cuz whenever he was lying it was like oh well, I don't I don't really know what's going on but like like he was lying through his teeth and <laughs> yeah. it was so obvious cuz he wasn't a good actor right. but that's just how good of an actor Tom Jane was <laughs> yeah. like it was like it came around full circle mm-hmm. it was it was it was awesome it was actually kind of awesome to watch yeah. like he's Tom Jane I think is is a really underrated actor too though I think that he is capable of doing a lot more than probably the material he's been given and this kind of proves it yeah um i've always been a big fan of his uh, yeah, I, I don't like, think he's ever had like a super meaty role to bite into though you know like that's a good um, way to put it and doing and doing that, <laughs> and doing these this 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 adaptation though was like finally like, like um, maybe he's done some other stuff but like finally this is the first time that i've seen like a role for him that he really can just lose himself in well, this... and just
2: really went this was kind of his redemption too because he so he's done 3 King adaptations yeah. now. Yeah. Uh one being The Mist, which mm-hmm. I thought he was great in. The Mist was good, but uh, he played Thomas Jane though. Like he played yeah, the basically. same character he plays in everything. Yeah. Uh didn't wasn't what was he in just recently? Uh The Dark Tower? No, here. I'll look it up actually. He, he was in a, he was in another King adaptation yeah. recently and people said he was horrible in it. And so this was kind of his uh kind of his comeback and his redemption. And man, he did a great job. Didn't, I thought he was awesome. Did an
1: absolutely incredible job. The
2: the kid did a really good job too. What was his name? Schmidt something. Uh, uh, it was Dylan, Dylan Schmidt. Schmidt. Yep. Um, he did a he did a really good job of playing this. Uh, you know, obviously he he was just he was being manipulated. Mhm. Oh, it was uh, Deep Blue
1: Sea. That was a Stephen King adaptation, right? <laughs> no, shut up. No, are you sure? Uh, <laughs>
2: He was being manipulated by his father. Uh, he had obvious reservations about it. Mm-hmm. But he did a great job of really kind of playing this this kid who was torn down the middle and uh I, I thought he was I thought he was awesome. Um he ends dream, up Dream Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher. Yeah. I fucking yeah. love
1: Dreamcatcher. People was I- Thomas
2: Jane in it though.
1: Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it, honestly, like to remember his exact performance off the top of my head, I don't, Mm -hmm. but I know a lot of people give that movie a lot of shit because basically it's a giant poop monster at the end. (laughs) I mean, it really is. Like it's, it's a shit demon. Spoiler alert. Straight out of dogma. It's a it's, it's a shit demon. (laughs) Um, yes, shit alien or something like that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking weird. Um, but do people shit, no pun intended on that movie? All the time. I thought it was great. Morgan Freeman has the dumbest eyebrows I've ever seen in my life in that movie, and it cracks <laughs> me up. Like, I probably love it for all the wrong reasons, in all fairness, but I don't know. I, I, it always reminded me of that was like Stephen King's winter version of Cabin Fever. Mm-hmm. That's what that movie always reminded me of.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know. Maybe I need to revisit it. Maybe it's nowhere near as good as I remember it. But yeah, I um, gotta
2: check it out. I've never actually seen it. Yeah, but, uh, anyway what were you saying uh what was i saying i don't Talking remember about dylan schmidt you interrupted me so Sorry. so he was
1: dylan uh schmidt dylan schmidt played uh who played henry uh was really really good too because you he had an arc that i didn't you could see it coming but not to the extent that they went yeah with it. like definitely. he went it's like i expect him to kind of run away and try to he got a girl pregnant yeah he, he ends up he ends up
2: sweet on a neighbor girl and uh even though his mother told him can you blame him uh Maybe. How old is she? <laughs> 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 um, uh, so he ends up he ends up getting this neighbor girl pregnant, and they're they're in love. But uh, her her father decides to send her away to uh, like a Catholic. The answer is fifteen, by the way.
1: I don't know about in real life, but the character is <laughs> yeah. fifteen. <laughs> yeah, the, the
2: character is fifteen, so we're just gonna keep that in our pocket. Um, Uh, her father ends up wanting to send her away to like a Catholic girl's school and and until she's had her kid and then they're going to put the kid up for adoption and Henry obviously feels like he's man enough to kind of take on this challenge and he wants to go get her and run away with her Mm -hmm. run off to Colorado or something and he does predictably but his like you said, his story arc mm-hmm. f- from there on, I totally didn't see that coming. No,
1: I expected him to run away with her and then, check, like, because he didn't have any money and this and that, so I expected him to, like, steal the truck and, like, try to make it, and then, like, him come back or something like that. Or, actually, I kind of, I half expected him to kill kill his girlfriend. Because he could be good. Because the way that I'm thinking of it is when, when you have a problem, and the problem was her, and he'd be better off without her, Because his dad killed his mom. Like, I I felt like he would go down that road where it's like he he didn't
2: know what else to do. No, he was obviously very different from his father. In many ways, True. that being one of them, I never expected. But I thought him that was her. the
1: arc, though, like him not getting it, and then when he gets into that situation himself, it's the only thing that he knows how to do.
2: Well, no, because why? In that case, he could have just gone along with her father's plan and let her go off to Catholic school, and then the baby would have been given up for adoption, and then the well, problem's he, he, gone. Problem, but, if you want he, to call that. But he a kidnapped
1: her. He he did all this stuff. If he just kills her, he can say that she ran off and he went looking for her.
2: That would be you know total, I'm like that would be totally pointless, though. Why just, would he? Why would he even go and kidnap her, or I not? Don't... Not kidnap her, run off with her? Because
1: he thought he could make it work, and when he couldn't, he had to come up with a story as to what happened. I don't know. I, no. My my mind was just going there, thinking that like, his his arc would come full circle as well. Yeah. No. But he basically turns into like Jesse James,
2: and like well, they they turn into kind of like a, a Bonnie, bon- and Bonnie and Clyde yeah. sort of. They're the, thing. Sweet, the, the sweetheart the, bandits. The, the sweetheart bandits, which uh, that whole man, that whole storyline was just tragic. And you could
1: tell that she was never really a fan of it. She was always apprehensive about the entire life.
2: Right. Um, and you don't, you, it, it was kind of a weird way of, uh, kind of a weird way of telling the end of their story. Basically, uh, basically, um, uh, Wilf, Wilfred, he ends up coming face to face with his. Yeah, spoilers again. Spoilers. Lots of lots and lots of spoilers. He he has a few visions leading up to this of seeing his wife in All different right. places and then he finally comes face to face with her. Which which zombie dead
1: wife, creepy as fuck.
2: Oh yeah, dude. There,
1: there, so there's a part where he like passes out or something. like Or no, he's lying in bed because he's going. He's kind of going insane at this mm-hmm. point because he feels like he's seeing her. And like zombie wife in his visions comes down, like lays next to him. Is just whispering in his ear for like 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, no, it
2: wasn't in bed. Or, it, was, it was after he fell down the basement that's stairs. What, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was
1: lying down. That's what, that, mm-hmm. whatever. And she's like whispering into, and she's creepy as shit. She's
2: super creepy. Super and, creepy. And like she everywhere. This she, is where
1: the horror comes in a little bit more in this. Ev- in
2: this like, and it's not even really. It's not. I. I mean, it is horror. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, it's horror a, imagery. It's yeah. more the imagery than the tone. But like everywhere she goes, there's a there's like a um like a horde of rats that runs yep. around her legs and stuff like that. It's very creepy, and basically what happens is um. Because he doesn't know what's going on with his son. His son ran off, and that's mm-hmm. the last he knows of him. And she... Basically, he's, he's just begging her to kill him. And instead, she just whispers into his ear and tells him everything that's going on with the kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's how that whole side of the story is kind of exposed. And I thought that was a pretty cool, creative way of showing what's going on. Because otherwise, how would he have ever known... The, the whole point of, of uh, his story arc is for him to be just driven crazy by his own guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, he killed his wife. He's obviously already feeling a little bit guilty about that. And then the fact that he's now lost his son, he's feeling terribly like he guilty about is it.
1: losing everything that he was trying to save.
2: Right. And then just to add insult to injury, she comes up and tells him everything that his son is going through at the time, and he realizes that it's all his fault, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. In,
1: In trying to preserve one thing, he fucked up everything else. Right. And even the thing that he was trying to preserve didn't end up working out at the end because he had to sell his property. Right. So he literally lost everything. So the thing is, though, is like he has... The whole movie is an older version of Wilfred writing a letter. And it's in a letter. It's basically... It's It's his confession. It's his confession. And it's funny to me because he... uh, Fuck, I lost my train of thought. Like, he's... He almost doesn't feel bad that he killed his wife. He doesn't feel bad that his son ran away. He... What he feels bad about is that it didn't work out the way. The only reason that he feels bad mm-hmm. is because it didn't work out. If yeah. it would have worked out, he would not have had this regret. Right. You know, so he writes this, he's writing this letter as though my regret's not killing my wife. My regret is is the fact that my son left me because I killed my wife and all this stuff happened to my son.
2: But... It makes you wonder, though. It makes you wonder if the son wouldn't have knocked up the neighbor girl he wouldn't have left and so would he have felt that guilt i kind of feel like actually i feel like the now that i'm thinking about it i feel like the son knocking up the neighbor, neighbor girl was a it was in direct correlation to them killing the mother because she was the one who even though she was doing it in a very crass way mm-hmm. she kept telling him keep your willy in your pants yeah. you know like <laughs> i don't i don't know. some of the stuff she was saying to him when she was drunk when they were celebrating, uh because Wil Wilford. You can finally... you
1: can do some exploring if you don't. If my son doesn't know the color of her nipples, then I just <laughs> was like, holy shit! Oh geez,
2: mom, and or where uh, where's my
1: mother? My my pre-adolescent years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, if she would have kept hounding him, if she were alive yeah. and kept hounding him about not sleeping with the neighbor girl, she would have never become pregnant. It's all so really problems. everything everything branches back to. You shouldn't have killed your wife. Mm-hmm. If you would have killed your wife, your kid wouldn't have gotten the neighbor girl pregnant. Uh, you wouldn't obviously be seeing your dead wife walking around all over the place. Yep. And and he does recap at the end. He says, they're, you know, in hindsight, the conniver took over and there was probably a better way to do things. Yeah. Did you notice in that scene when he goes back and he has that vision of them standing on the porch? when he says there was probably a better way to do things, he's got his left hand tucked behind his back cuz he loses his left yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you notice that? No. Yeah. I didn't. I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> interesting um yeah. Yeah, he does. He oh, goes by he, the way, he loses his hand. <laughs> yeah, he goes he
1: goes all Ash Williams on uh on the story.
2: <laughs> Except for uh that whole that whole thing, that whole scene, like the whole basically everything from the point of his son leaving until until the very end is just like things are not going his way. Not at all. One of my favorite scenes is when he went up to uh, when he went up to his neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. So uh, at this point, Wilfred has lost his wife, his son, his hand, and he's about to lose his land. Yep. And he goes up to his neighbor, who has his, now his, lost his, neighbor, his.
1: By the way, real quick, played by Neil Macdonald. Uh, love love him like, mm-hmm. like he's he's I, I don't know if i i know him from uh, from a show <laughs> called Arrow mm-hmm. he's part of the Arrowverse uh, he plays um uh fuck i can't think of the guy can't think of his character's name but um something fuck i can't think of i can't think of i can't think of his name
2: sweet good malcolm, job Mal-
1: Mal- Mal- malcolm dark I don't
2: know. I don't watch. Damien Dark. That's his name. Damien Dark. There it
1: is. Yeah, I knew it, kind of me. <laughs> uh, but he's been like he's been in The Flash. He's been on Arrow. He's been on The Legends. TV oh, he's show. been in a ton. He's of been stuff. on everything. But he's also one of those really recognizable character actors. Yeah. And I and I I love him. Uh, he's in Minority Report. He's mm-hmm. in Suits. He's been he's been in a ton of stuff. But um yeah so he played. I he, thought it was a small role for him actually. Yeah. I thought it was a decently small role for. For as recognizable as he is.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, it was good though. He did he did a really awesome job really with awesome. it. But yep. one of my favorite scenes is uh so he's he's the father of the girl who Henry has gotten pregnant and uh and as a result, like his wife leaves him mm-hmm. and all this ha- all this happens and uh uh Wilfred goes up to talk to him when he's sitting on his he's just sitting on his porch in the dead of winter, just wrapped in a blanket, sipping out of a flask, just crying his eyes out. And they it have Sounds a little,
1: like Saturday for me. Yeah,
2: <laughs> they have a little exchange, and Wilfred's talking like, "I want to sell you my land," and uh, obviously uh, his his neighbor. What the hell is his name? like Harlan Cottery. Yep. Uh, Harlan tells him uh, like, you know, you're you're desperate. You come into me as a desperate man, and blah blah blah. And he says, uh, he says, you know, at the beginning of this year, both of us had. Both of us had uh, wives. had had wives, and now we don't. Both of us had kids, and now we don't. And uh, he's like, "At least I still got my hand, I guess." <laughs> and the look, the look on Wilfred's face as he just kind of like looks at his stump on his left arm. I thought that whole interaction between the two of them was really good. Uh, besides that, my other favorite scene was the funeral scene. Oh yeah, yeah. The when uh, so they they show Shannon's funeral first, and it's mm-hmm. just a packed house, and then. The second funeral is for... Um,
1: for his son, Henry. For
2: the kid. For and Henry. For Henry, yeah. And it's just Wilfred sitting in the front row. And he says something like, you know, the turnout the turnout for, or for Henry's funeral was much smaller. And it's yep. just him sitting in the front row. And then you see the shot from, like, the perspective of, uh, like, where the priest would be standing. Yep. And it's just Wilfred. And then behind him, you see the wife... Dead, the zombie dead wife yep. sitting in one of the pews with rats all over, like yep. all over her shoulders and the pews and stuff. I thought that was a really striking scene.
1: Yeah, I, uh, for me, I think because because like I I went into this not expecting drama and expecting a little bit more horror just because I I didn't know anything about the story going into it. Um, one of the more horror-y aspects of it was actually when they killed the wife. That throat slit scene is brutal. Brutal, super like, brutal. Way like almost. Out of place, brutal, in a certain to a, to a certain extent, like yeah. compared to the rest of the movie, like it's like Hellraiser almost. Like well, I, it's like I thought it was super graphic. I thought
2: it was appropriate to kind of set up the tension between him and the kid, though, because he initially because the kid's like, can't you just use a pillow? Yeah, as he's eyeing up the knives and he's like no you know that would be too slow she'd struggle and then so he kind of has the kid under the impression that this is going to be a quick and painless and sort of he thing he kind of
1: fucked it up and didn't didn't cut deep enough at yeah, she she's got like three different cuts in takes her neck before three the cuts. Third one oh, oh, yeah. and then there and then when when she's in the well there's like a rat that's like in her mouth and like
2: oh when it, she's like her eyes and her face it's a are creepy creepy are scene. turned up toward Wilfred. like his reaction when he first opens the well and he sees her looking up at him yeah, what a great reaction! Yeah, it's, it
1: this movie's really, really good. It was. It, it takes a while. It, it'll take you a while to to get through it, but like, you know, because this is a slower paced movie. Yeah, but, but if you're but if you're into that kind of thing, I can't recommend this enough. Definitely, it's super,
2: super good. Not slow in a boring way, though. No, it's just, no, no, it no, really no, no. takes its time to set set the story up, and I I really enjoyed it. So uh, that's nineteen mm-hmm. twenty two from twenty seventeen. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> Uh, the next movie we're talking about is from ten years ago.
1: Wait, this didn't take place in for the year fourteen.
2: It took place oh in fourteen oh eight. It was released. In- <laughs> no, uh, it's the movie fourteen oh eight from two thousand seven. Yep, Am I getting that yep, right? Okay,
1: two thousand seven, directed by uh, Mikael Hofstrom, mm-hmm. uh, who actually did uh, a movie we already talked about previously called The Right with uh, Anthony Hopkins.
2: That was the Possession movie. That was back before we watched the same movies all the time. Oh, was it? That was Was back when we used to talk, like, we would talk Talk about about 12 12 movies an episode, and we would watch different ones.
1: He also did the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Stallone movie, Escape Plan.
2: Oh, did he really? (laughs) He sure did. Well... Uh, so
1: let's see, 1408. A uh, man who specializes in debunking paranormal occurrences checks into the Fabled Room, 1408, and in the Dolphin Hotel. Soon after settling in, he confronts genuine terror. Genuine terror. Or just genuine. from, from The rapper from the '90s. Bound. He's, just, he's just waiting for him in there. Bound. <laughs> My
3: pony.
2: Bound. Bound. Bound.
1: I uh, I love this kind of movie. I do. It's it's a single setting. It's a confined space. I mean, mm-hmm. most of it, at least yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. outside of it, obviously. But like most, of all the stuff happens between four walls, right? You know, of the of this hotel room. Yep, I agree. And I... I love, love, love these types of movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. So while uh, this is uh, starring uh, John, say anything, Cusack.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love John Cusack. John I, Hot Tub Time Machine. I, I don't, <laughs> hot tub time Machine Cusack.
1: I don't think that he can do any wrong.
2: I love John. I really Cusack don't. Too. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, maybe maybe that that. Edgar Allan Poe movie he did the Raven the Raven the Raven yeah I didn't heard not not so great things about that but oh you didn't see it didn't see it I'm just well, saying, then shut I'm, your trap just going off what I heard you don't know um this is also starring uh, Tony Shaloub, who uh, he was Monk wasn't he yeah That TV show Monk yeah mm-hmm. I never watched it but I uh, <laughs> just say that's where he's from what do you got well he's um, he's
2: from other horror movies too though he was in uh, Thirteen Ghosts
1: okay you're right you're right
2: and he was in Wings, which doesn't count as, <laughs> but but Wings featuring Stephen Weber, who is the narrator of the Stephen King novelization of It, which we are both listening to well, right true. now. That's true. That's true. So you know it all ties in.
1: Also starring a new up and comer named uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Playing a role. Am I the only one that, when watching his. Portrayal, and maybe this is just because I had home loan on the brain, but he reminded me of Tim Curry a little bit. <laughs> like I don't know why like they're both of their portrayals of it's just any of like it's the any, hotel clerk, you know, or the man, hotel manager. Any
2: manager of any uppity hotel is gonna have that same flavor.
1: Yeah, probably that maybe that's what it is. Probably, um, but I could just he he was he was he was like the black Tim Curry for for
2: for a bit there. I don't know. I loved it. No, he was he was great, and he. It was weird because I never. The, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I couldn't get a good sense of whether or not he was involved in the whole thing, if he was actually kind of evil himself. There's I, different theories, too, yeah, about it, which I found out.
1: I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, and I kind of thought the exact same thing, mm-hmm. especially because of some of the visions that, uh, that John Cusack has in the movie, which but we'll get there. John
2: uh, John play, uh, John Cusack playing Mike by the way yeah, Mike Enslin yeah
1: Mike Enslin uh, this movie also stars Mary McCormick as Lily uh, Mike Enslin's ex wife well wife technically still I think they're still together
2: I think so yeah maybe but, a um, separated kind of deal
1: so uh, so John Cusack uh, you you don't know his backstory in the beginning of the movie but he is uh, he's an author and he basically writes like, the ten most haunted motel rooms yeah right? he writes these 10,
2: wrote, ten most haunted insert. Any any place. Any yeah. place he here. was a
1: novelist at one point. He wrote mm-hmm. one book that people seemed to like at mm-hmm. least. Um, and then he then a tragedy happened in his life. His uh, daughter passed away. Yeah. Uh, from illness. Mm-hmm. Do we know what illness it was? Cancer. Was it cancer? Mm-hmm. okay So his daughter passed away. He could no he could no longer write novels. And so he just wrote basically these shitty like touristy haunted attraction books.
2: And um, which I actually enjoy those books. No, so do I. Don't get me <laughs> wrong,
1: but. So, uh, so he is, uh, someone sends him a postcard that just says, don't go, don't stay in 1408. Mm -hmm. And so of course he goes and, uh, Samuel Jackson is the manager of the hotel, tries to do everything in his power to convince him not to stay in this room. Uh, he doesn't listen though. And he, uh, he finally goes upstairs and stays in the room. And that is when
2: all hell breaks loose. The fun starts. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, so it was this I hadn't seen this movie in it's been years. I wanna say that I saw it when it first came out on like D V D way back in like I saw probably it probably about close to ten years ago.
2: I saw it in the theater.
1: Well it was two thousand seven when it came out, so yeah. a year and a half maybe after it came out.
2: On That's DVD. when you saw it?
1: Probably on D V D is okay. right when I saw it. So
2: yeah, Aaron and I uh this was uh shortly after we started dating. We went to see this at the theater. Oh, okay. And um the Carpenter song, the that keeps repeating Mm -hmm. in this movie we've only only just just
1: begun begun. which is
2: very poignant for the uh for the movie she could not listen to that song for quite a (laughs) while afterwards without getting a little freaked out oh yeah well because it does like the times when it when it pops up it's very especially especially if you're listening with uh with headphones on or if you're in a theater it really hits you. It does.
1: And I just realized this is the second King adaptation where he uses the radio song as uh, a foreboding thing. And Christine, yes, Christine the, the radio yeah. would play what the car was thinking. Right, right. The radio in this hotel room would play what the room was thinking. It's only just begun. Mm-hmm. You have you have all night to stay here or 60 right. minutes as the clock uh, counts down.
2: Right. Because uh, Samuel Samuel L. Jackson's character explains to him that nobody has ever lasted more than an hour. hmm and he really sets it up to, like, he, he pulls him into his office and he's really trying to convince him, like, please do not stay in this place. We've all told we've had 56, mm-hmm. 56 deaths in this room, which that takes uh, Mike by surprise because he thinks there's only been 22 deaths. But
1: Are you sure it was 56? Yes. I thought it was 312.
2: No, because the uh, the bottle of booze that oh (laughs) (laughs) you bastard well it's uh, it's not Not really it's (laughs) not called 312 though it's called 312 um because uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna run with this the bottle of booze that um that olin offers to mike Mm -hmm. is called i wrote it down it's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher this french so, because I, I, I don't speak French. Is it called uh, Peppy Van Winkle? No. By chance? <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> it's called Les Secants Set Secon- Dice. Les Sec... Okay. Which I, I'm sure that I butchered that. Um, in French, it literally means the 57 deaths. Oh, really? And just afterwards, we learned that room 1408, uh, there was 56 deaths. Okay. That's what he told them. he tells them, all told, there were 56 deaths, meaning the the death of Mike Enslin, if it were to happen, would be the fifty seventh. Uh-huh. So the bottle of booze that he gives him is actually foreshadowing for uh-huh. his death.
1: Interesting. Which you would never know unless you spoke spoke the Paris.
2: Exactly, <laughs> and also and also it kind of um, there are two different. There are two kind of very different versions of this movie. There's the director's yes. cut, and then there's the theatrical yeah, release. Yeah, we'll get into the differences, uh, right. but... Um,
1: yeah, and and, we'll, and it's weird, because depending on the version that you watch, the theories radically can change right. as to what meant what, right. which, which goes to show that a lot of people... Inject things into the theories because mm-hmm. clearly it was only written with one thing in mind, and then they changed it. Right. So whatever the change was, I don't know if if the theatrical ending was the original or if the director's cut was the original. I have no idea. As a story, yeah, yeah as never. the original screenplay was written, oh. or
2: as the I haven't heard the, the King book either, so I don't know how the King book ends. It's just a short story, so I'd like to look it up yeah. in the next week, and then maybe we can do this as a creation.
1: But Obviously, though, those theories, though, the ones that only apply to one or the other, right. If it if the, the theory is applied to the one that was just changed by the studio yeah. clearly the, that theory doesn't hold water
2: which we'll get which into you'll of never of the, know what that we'll is. get into some of those theories so it's not quite as confusing yeah but um, uh, yeah so he checks in he's doing his his basic basic thing that he does he's very cynical and kind of he's he's really not a believer in any of the stuff that he writes about he's he yeah. basically knows it's just a quick payday. So he goes around and writes these shit books, and and that's kind of what he expects for for this. It's Mm -hmm. just going to be run-of-the-mill hotel room. Give me the
1: key. Let me stay up there. I'll tell... Ooh, it's haunted. Yeah, I'll (laughs) tell everybody that
2: your place is haunted. Your your room sales will go up 50%, and then everybody's happy. He does
1: say at a book signing, though, at one point that... And actually, I don't think that his books necessarily give off the impression that they're haunted. Because at his book signing, he tells people in the audience he would love... he doesn't believe in it because he's never seen one i think his, ghosts. Like i think he'd his, love to see one he says he just that never has
2: he says that in person at his signings but i think his books probably tell a little bit of a different story because mm-hmm. you can tell when he's when he's talking into his recorder throughout the movie he's got very he's got a very flowery way of describing the things in the room to make it sound a lot more sinister than Ooh. what's actually
1: could he can he spend like five pages just uh describing a door frame <laughs>
2: Is that, is that is that how he describes and do his uh <laughs> You go to hell. This is Stephen King's birthday bash. Stop bashing the what? king. Just treating him the way you treat me he's, on my birthday. He's you very asshole. he's very detail oriented. Shut up, Mike. <laughs> Mike Mike called me after he started the it um audiobook and he's like he's like is this it, like, is this going anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's parts about people that I don't even know. Like, I don't even know where I'm supposed to go with this.
1: They spent a hundred pages literally just describing. Okay, they don't like gays. I get it. <laughs> like in, the, a, in in dairy, I get it.
2: That's a big part of need, the book. But I didn't need a hundred pages to tell me that. You don't know what you need. You just You're right. let you the just let, my life. You let Stephen King tell you what you need. Okay. 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 All I, right. I, I so can. anyway, getting back to this book. Or this, uh, this movie you're, you're, rather. You're the king. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, did you notice anything weird when he first? I there was there's one little signifier when he first enters the room and he's and he's kind of looking around. He's looking around at all the normal things in the room and there's one thing that's very off. Did you notice it when he picks up the Bible? No. He picks it. He so he <clears throat> opens the drawer. And the Bible's just a normal hotel Bible. Mm -hmm. Picks it up. He flips to a a certain chapter, which people have theories about the the chapter that he opened up to. But then when he throws it back down on the table, it says Holy Bible backwards. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I did. Because I uh, pay attention to details. (laughs) Um
1: Yeah, no, I feel as though this—you could probably pick a lot of stuff out of this movie. Mm -hmm. Like those paintings, for example, probably have so many deep hidden meanings. Uh, Like there's so many things that he pays attention to, that that you just wouldn't even know what to look for. You know what I'm saying? Like if you didn't know specifically what that was, Um, the uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you. That that are that's in this movie, especially as it goes on because the room changes. yeah. And so you're gonna pick up more of the stuff like stuff stuff might not have been there in the beginning, but mm-hmm. it's there after the fact. right. And like this room, I was saying how much how much fun this room was because you can do so much in these confined spaces, and I love that. Mm-hmm. This room was, though, like like a fun house. Like you walk into a room, like into the bathroom, for example, and you do something. You walk out and then you go back a minute later. Things are different again like right. like the toilet paper yeah uh he ripped off a piece of toilet paper and dabbed his neck he walked back in a couple minutes later and suddenly the toilet paper was turned up into a nice
2: uh nice little triangle, little triangle the housekeeping does and it and yeah. just like
1: wait a minute like what's what the fu- what the fuck like yeah. and there's all this like there's little things i'm sure you didn't even pick up on that were like that he, he, do
3: you think it's just he, a bunch of continuity errors <laughs> <laughs>
2: it yeah, there, there's hundreds of them <laughs> <laughs> Or the uh the chocolate on the pillow he takes a bite out of the chocolate on the pillow and then he and then he gets up to look out the window he turns back around the two chocolates on the pillow yep. again yep stuff like that um so yeah basically like Mike <clears throat> said this the, the the rest of the time the the room's just a complete fun house not fun for him obviously but uh well, he tries to disprove
1: it like he's like oh there's it's there like, at one point he's like um oh somebody somebody must be in the room I, I, I ripped this toilet paper off, somebody must have followed me in there, reset right. it, and now they're in the closet, and he goes and open it, and it's not there. And for he like thinks...
2: the, for like the first half of it, as all these weird things are going on, he just thinks that it's the hotel staff, they've become really good at spooking people, mm-hmm. and so they've found different ways to, to mess with whoever is uh, in 1408, yeah. and the whole time, like, he just thinks this is all a setup, like the uh, the manager Olin telling him not to go into 1408 tell him the, telling him that the room is evil this is all just theatrics you know mm-hmm. and so for the first half of the movie he's like I, I've seen this kind of stuff before I know the I know the smoke and mirrors and mm-hmm. you're not gonna fool me and then he finally gets to a point where he's just like he, something breaks, and he's like, "All right, his I believe brain, you. I'm done. Breaks. You guys win. I'm out of here." Yep. Like whether or not there were actually ghostly things going on, or the people were just really effective at scaring him, he decides that he's done, and then that's when things really hit the fan because he gets he locked can't inside get the out room, of the, basically. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, he thinks that there's like a video camera taping him at one point in time. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite parts of the movie is actually him crawling through the vents, which now we watched, like we said, the director's cut. Right. The director's cut, um, the ending is vastly different. Yeah. Um, and in the middle of the movie, though, there's this fence scene, especially there's a ton more into it. I want to say there's at least a few solid minutes that are, that are added back into the director's mm-hmm. cut. And I think that it really adds to it. Like I, I loved the sequence. I loved the idea that him crawling around the the vent, which was above the room, mm-hmm. like the room is almost like the like his body, if you will. Right. And the vent, and and going up into the vents, right, like almost represents him going up into his head. Mm-hmm. And him crawling around the vents is like him crawling around his memories. Mm-hmm. And every time he gets to a new. Um,
2: Another vent looking down on look another down, room. Yeah, it's like
1: another memory. It's mm-hmm. another section of his brain. Like mm-hmm. at one point, there's in the director's cut because this is not in the theatrical. But there's, uh, it's him talking to his father, and his father basically says, "You're an idiot for leaving your wife, and you're a shit writer." Right. And that really, really like weighed weighed on his head. There's I, another one. I where, think in the
2: theatrical version where he sees his wife, it's still there. If I'm not mistaken. I think the wife one
1: is yeah. yeah. There's one where he looks down and he thinks that it's just a neighbor. With a crying baby, mm-hmm. and then he looks down and he realizes, oh, that's his wife with his dead baby, basically. Well, not his, dead. Well his, baby, da- well, his daughter that had passed away later on, but when she
2: was a baby. And then it's spooky because she looks directly up into the vent at him. Yeah, and he's like, oh, okay. And he's so. like,
1: he's literally though, like just like crawling through his memories, yeah. like, like dealing with this stuff, mm-hmm. stuff that had been pushed away or whatever. And I loved the symbolism of of he's literally crawling through his own headspace.
2: Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of like uh, somebody brought up the point, and I I definitely agree. His entire stay in fourteen o eight was like somebody pointed out that he goes through all five stages of grieving, yeah, and he's obviously like you 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 get the the picture at the end, which which is basically his his daughter was going through this uh, going through she had cancer. She ended up dying. him and his wife kind of fell apart. He left. He moved out to the west coast. Mm-hmm. And he never properly grieved or anything. He just kind of t- t- tucked it he all yeah, it he up. just tucked it all away and just ran away. And so his entire his entire journey in 1408 is his journey of grief yeah because by the end of it, it really has a lot to do with his daughter. but from the very beginning he goes through he, so the five stages are denial, anger, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. Yeah, pretty much. And that's yeah. really what he that's goes exactly through. Exactly what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I somebody had mentioned um, not somebody but I thought that I caught something in the movie about the like him referencing Dante's Inferno and it was like the uh, like the the, the what is it, the nine rings of hell or the how many how many rings is it uh there's it, nine yeah and and i think that he had mentioned something about like the sixth ring that seventh. he was or seventh ring that he was in mm-hmm. and i went and i actually went and looked up what all the rings were and mm-hmm. they didn't really correlate all that much so mm-hmm. i i couldn't really do you know say what the
2: seventh a... is though no because that's specifically I, oh, I what it he up, says but... he, he says something about uh if if what this he references a few different authors in this in the movie but he says if what this person said is true then we're in the seventh. We're in the seventh level of hell right yeah. now. Yeah. I I'd be interested to look that up. Yeah, see if it didn't
1: I did look it up, it's not sticking with me right now, but it didn't really seem like it correlated all that much, so mm-hmm. unless I'm missing something, okay. which is possible because I'm dumb, but <laughs> um but yeah, I, I thought the the vent scene though is one of my favorite things. It also had the creepy old dude, dude the corpse in the
2: That whole sequence is so just, good. And it's and it was just like classic Stephen King sequence, like the, absolutely the, horrible creature crawling after him through the vents and yep. Man, it was it very was,
1: creep show almost. Like it reminded me of like yeah, a, a creature of. in Creep Show or something and like that. And the
2: makeup, the makeup so on good. that the makeup job on that guy looked amazing. Yep. It was so cool. And um, then he kicks back and just knocks the dude's jaw off. It was awesome.
1: It was yeah, really, really cool. There's yeah, this this is like super effective
2: in <laughs> I love his sorry. I love his reaction when he gets out because he finally gets back to his vent and falls the twelve feet back down into his room, smashes a, a table, mm-hmm. smashes a coffee table. And his reaction is, he's just getting up and he goes, well, that's enough of that. (laughs) Glad glad to be back. It's like, fuck
1: that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's really effective though because the movie, you don't know whether or not he's going crazy or whether or not this place is supernatural and... Things are actually, you really, you just don't know. Even up to the very end, you really don't really, really know.
2: Well, and he's trying to be very logical about it. So he's trying to think like, because he doesn't believe in ghosts, <clears throat> even though he writes all these haunted haunted stories books. And because of what happened with his daughter, he no longer believes in God. So really, he doesn't believe in anything. Yeah, uh, We believe in so, nothing, Lebowski. So he,
1: he gets to the end of his rope, basically. And like he he thinks that he gets out of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: at one point in time, uh, and he thinks that he escaped it. And he he earlier in the in the story he was surfing.
2: I just realized I was trying to make a point. You oh sorry me. I'm sorry oh no go go. He go, was go. trying to think very logically about it. Yeah. So he even theorizes that uh, this this bottle of booze that Olin must gave him drugged is or drugged, or yeah. the chocolates that he ate. Those must be drugged, and that's how they're messing with me. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so he could be he could, literally could just be visualizing this. Just tripping about out on something. Yeah. 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 Um earlier in the movie though, he uh he's an avid surfer mm-hmm. and he went out and got caught in a wave, board knocked him out, and he washed up on shore. So it actually the movie plays into that later on where you think, Oh, this was all just in his head. And he is he, he woke up in the hospital, he's out of this, and it was such a vivid thing, and he's reconnecting with his wife and, and all this stuff is happening. And then Like just like that, he's thrown right back into it, and you realize that that was actually a dream. So it's it's so like just wishy washy everything.
2: The way they transition from so in the beginning of the movie, the way they transition from uh, from him on the beach to him, you know, leading up to him going into fourteen oh eight, and then the way they transition from fourteen oh eight back to being out of the room, Mm -hmm. and then the final uh, hard transition from him being outside of the room and back yeah. into the room like everything was all the transitions were so cool you know what I mean yep. especially the one coming out of 1408 14- 0- back into the the real world if you yeah, want to yeah, call yeah. it that because he's he's literally like the room is flooded with water and so he's just trying to like swim to the top of the room and then as he's sorry spoilers as as he's swimming up toward the top of the room, all of a sudden you see his surfboard, and he grabs his surfboard, and then next thing you know, he's on the beach, and yeah. the whole and so, thing's a, so the he, whole thing was just a dream.
1: So and it's weird because I'm like, oh, okay, so this whole thing was in his head the entire time, and then I looked at my timestamp, I go, oh, there's still 45 minutes left for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the end. <laughs> um, yeah, he it 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 they it, 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 it's a good mindfuck movie because yeah. you really just don't know. What's what? Mm-hmm. And so eventually, though, he's not out of it, and he goes, he gets sucked right back into it. And I love and how
2: much time they spend outside of the. They room. They really
1: make you believe it's, it's over. It's
2: like twenty-five yeah. minutes.
1: They make you like he's really outside believe of the room. it's
2: over. Life is going on as normal. He's talking yep. to his manager. He's writing a new book. He's kind of reconnecting with his with his estranged yeah. wife. And then out and from then from nowhere, of nowhere, he just, he's just,
1: it just back. grabs you by the dick and jerks you back into the into fourteen. That's
2: the best way to put it. <laughs>
1: That's it. Um, no, but he so. At this point, though, he's just like accepting it, like he ec- acceptance. Yep. The, last, the final mm-hmm. thing, and uh, he decides that well, if I can't get out of here, I'm going to burn this fucker to the ground. Mm-hmm. And he malt uses that booze, malt offs that into the the room, and then basically just watches as the world. It's like that dog cartoon where it goes, "This is fine," and the whole room, <laughs> and the whole room's on fire around him. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's basically what he was doing. Yeah. But this is where the movie drastically changes between the director's cut and the theatrical cut. Um, now, one of the things that I I took note of in the in the director's cut, uh, he spoilers does not get out. Like he mm-hmm. dies in the fire. Yeah. There's a funeral form at the end. Samuel Jackson's character comes back and says, "When we were cleaning out the hotel, we found these personal effects." So he's dead. Mm-hmm. They show him at the very end as now one of the ghosts, basically, that haunt that room.
2: Right. Um, now and he's and you get the sense that he's reunited with his daughter with his daughter yeah, yeah.
1: so in and I I wrote a note down uh, after I watched the saying that I think that I would have liked the story better if he would have actually survived if he would have actually had to deal with what he went through you know head on have you not seen the it, it's it's been a long okay. long long time I like I, said, I had ten years probably so I just didn't remember <clears> what the <throat> ending was. So So, I got here today, though, and I realized, holy shit, there's a whole alternate ending, (laughs) ending, alt-ending, alternate alternate ending, that I didn't realize was that different. So I watched it before we started the show here, and I got to say, the theatrical, I love everything about the director's cut except for the ending. The theatrical ending is far and beyond better. Yeah. So much better.
2: So I I watched this. I I rented this today, even though I actually own this movie on DVD. But I knew that I was going to have to watch it kind of on the fly today, so I just rented it from iTunes. I got to the very end of the movie, anticipating the the norm, what I perceive as the normal ending, because mm-hmm. it's the only one I've ever seen, and what I see as the superior the superior ending. And I was so let down because
1: well, not the superior I ending, mean, the 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 non superior ending
2: no it we the got
1: superior ending would be the theatrical cut
2: yeah we got yeah that's what I'm kind that's what I'm saying I might have I might have misspoke okay, yeah, but yeah. I got to what I thought was going to be the superior ending and yep. then I got the director's cut ending and I was so let down, down I yep. was like man that just wasn't nearly because they they <clears throat> throw in one last cheesy jump scare which I hated yep. when he sees when Olin sees something in his rearview mirror Yep. hated yep. that and then. Him listening, it's got
1: studio written all over it, yeah,
2: absolutely. And so, what they basically at the end of both endings, you get two separate characters listening to well, three, I guess, three separate characters listening to his recorder. Uh, in one ending, you have Olin listening to his recorder that he's been taking notes on, and in the other ending, you have Mike who survives the whole ordeal. And Lily listening to the recording. So, so
1: Mike, the, John Cusack, and his ex-wife, who have now kind of rekindled, they're right. they're getting the light back together. They're, it looks like they're moving into a new house. Right. Um, however, in, the in the, cut, in yeah. the in the in the director's cut, like I said, he died. In the theatrical cut, though, he made it out of the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe at one point in time, Olin actually is outside of the hotel when the when the firefighters bring him down, mm-hmm. and because nobody had ever survived that room before, he looks at at Mike and he goes nicely done or something or something something to that effect so i
2: think it was not only because he survived an hour but also because he destroyed the room yeah you get the sense that as a as the manager of the hotel olin really didn't want that place to exist no. he didn't want that no. room to exist and, the,
1: and in the director's cut he says it much says, right. no your, your husband did a great thing we've reopened the room like, right he had actually say that in the director's cut mm-hmm. um so, in the in the theatrical cut, though, he survives, and he's a little bit uh, scarred up or whatever. His leg's all fucked up. He's got, like, a brace he has to use to get around. And um, she, his wife asks him if they can throw away these effects from the fire, mm-hmm. one of the things being the tape recorder. Yeah. And uh, he... I think he says you can throw the rest of it away, but he wanted to keep the one tape recorder. Mm-hmm. And so, he's sitting there and to, to basically relive that night for the first time, mm-hmm. and I don't even give a shit if this doesn't factor into the rest of the story, if this was just tacked on as an oh-my-god moment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It doesn't even matter if it fits or not. Yeah. It's so effective. He turns the recorder on, and he's listening to just his random talk about, oh, they have the wallpaper and the window and this and that. Mm-hmm. And then he fast-forwards to it, and all of a sudden he actually does hear his daughter's voice. What he, thought, what he thought was was all in his head before.
2: Because there, because there is a point in time where him and his daughter finally come face to face, and yep. he thinks it's just a cruel trick be, that the room is playing on yep. him. And or, that,
1: or, or in this case, it was all in his head.
2: Man, that whole part just kills and me And his when wife, he, though, the way
1: that when his wife hears it, though, and yeah. she like drops the box, yeah. and she goes, and she literally she cannot believe what she's hearing. Right. Mike to Mike though, it's like validation. Like yeah. he has this look on his it's face, like, I like he's like told you so. <laughs> he's like he's like, This validates everything that I've been saying. It right. wasn't it was real. Mm-hmm. This did actually it wasn't just in my head like everybody thought that it right. was. And and his wife is just coming to this realization of what the fuck, like you're not crazy. Right. Like and and, and, and then it just ends. Yeah. And it's it's such a good ending. It's like like it's, it leaves it, you
2: just being like, "Oh no. I wh- what?" <laughs> well, it leaves you with a lot of feelings. It's Mike is validated. Uh also there's it's it's a it's a bit more hopeful because it does seem that there's something, you know, it kind of not only validates him, but it also throughout the entire movie, he no longer believes in God, mm-hmm. no longer believes that there's anything like a soul or anything like Which that. Which actually so,
1: touch on this a little bit in the beginning of the movie.
2: Right. So, so it kind of, it kind of, um, it kind of brings him back into that light too. Like, oh, obviously I wasn't going crazy. And now Lily can confirm it for me that there is something after death because we have my dead daughter's voice on this tape. Yeah. So it's hopeful, but it's also chilling at the same time.
1: And, and I, I hope they hope that King never decides to revisit this. I don't want a sequel. I don't want oh, no. an explanation. I don't want anything. No. I want it to just exist no, as it stands. No
2: explanation needed, really. No. It just is what it is. But, man. but it was like
1: the perfect way to end that movie though.
2: And this uh, so, is yeah, the far
1: I, superior ending, though. Yeah,
2: I like that a lot better. Yeah. And this story almost was never written. Um, we've been talking a little bit about On-writing. his his nonfiction uh, book called On Writing. He actually wrote down the first few pages of this story as a as a way to as an example on how you revise a first draft of a story. Mm-hmm. But the story intrigued him so much that he decided it's to just run it. with it. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice if you were that good at something where you're just like, I shit out this stupid idea, but hey, I thought I'd run with it, and all even, of a sudden even, I've got even... this this short story that they're turning into a huge what? movie
1: he uh, he proved the old adage wrong you can polish a turd
2: that's well <laughs> just saying to him
1: to him it was a turd first <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um the last thing that i want to say about this is that this movie does it finally portrays something correctly in a movie that no movie's ever do what's up and i was so happy when i saw it they actually showed a ventilation system that was dirty that looked like it had actually been used and it's dusty and gross. Oh my god. I remember when I watched movies and someone crawls up into the vent system and it's like nice die and hard, shiny and die brand. Hard basically. Oh my god, kill me. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like, are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> There's no way in hell. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, sorry, tangent, but yep. in die hard, the section of the the section of the... Uh, I haven't watched it since last Christmas, and I was drunk, with like I always am. Um, the section of the vents that he's crawling through, is it in the part of the building that's under construction?
1: Um...
2: Or is it in the part of the building where all the people are? Because if it's in the part of the building where it's under construction, then it would make sense that it was...
1: That's actually a really good point. Yeah, That's just one movie, though. They do it in a lot of movies where the vents are clean but in that particular instance though you could be right i want to pay attention to that this year when we watch Yeah.
2: we should anyway
1: that's uh that's 1408
2: yeah oh there was one there was one other question i was going to ask you but we we don't have to no, no what do you got uh it's it's just uh there was a couple different instances where he looked and the there was bricks in front of the window instead of the window being open and it said burn me alive yes and then you hear a Funny enough you hear the scream from the intro of ah, Real Monsters. You remember that cartoon? Mm-hmm. I do. Um do you think that was the room telling him to burn the room alive? I
1: believe so. I really do. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, so was it so was it the like was or, like, or maybe it was the hotel telling him to burn the room alive because the rest of the hotel knew that that room was evil or something like that. Like, the whole hotel is like this giant living thing, and, and it knows that, be. and it knows that, oh, his daughter had cancer. It knows that that one room is like the cancerous spot sure. in the entire hotel. Sure. And so, the hotel is telling him to burn that cancer out of it. Sure.
1: Like I'm not even I'm not even convinced that Samuel Jackson's character was a real character. You could look at this movie and think that he was just a projection as well. You know, yeah, it's it, it's extremely possible.
2: Some people have different theories about what his character was. Like some people are like, because uh, it has to do with the Bible ver- Bible verse that he opens up to. Because mm-hmm. the the Bible verse has something to do with uh, a king sending somebody into battle when they know they're gonna die. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of what Samuel L. Jackson's yeah. character was doing. He was sending him up there because he knew he was going to die, but he also knew he might be able to take care of it.
1: If you think about it, too, like you were talking about how, like, the room was, like, the ho- the hotel slash room was, like, the body, the ventilation system was the brain, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you could look at it as, like, 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 John Cusack was the white blood cell, like, the white guy going into the cancerous <laughs> tumor of a room uh-huh. to fight the... Uh... <laughs> I think I'm reaching a little bit there. No, hey, I never really, it, I never really well thought
2: about it. I'd never thought about the correlation between the cancer and the and it very and, well could be. And the whole "burn me alive" thing, i never really it. I it always, it always stuck out to me as maybe something that one of the dead guests had inscribed on a wall yeah. or something like that. But maybe it was just the building I, telling I, I him to take anything. care of the I, cancer.
1: I think it's just a curiosity that you could take any way yeah. you want. You know, provided it fits into your theory, for
2: sure. But, um. All right. Well, yeah. that's fourteen oh eight from mm-hmm. two thousand seven. Check it out.
1: Yeah. No. Please. please these, both these movies were great. Could not be two more different movies. Too. Oh no. They were both um, awesome though. Yeah. They're fantastic though.
2: Um. So there's no need to. There's no need to roll the dice for next not week because we nope. know what we're going to do already. We're going to talk about the new Castle Rock series in its entirety. The first. I have a
1: lot of watching to do.
2: First season. Yeah. We got a lot of watching to do in the next week. So. And I think uh, Brian is going to come in for that one,
1: with a, little,
2: with a little bit of input. So that's what we're going to do for next week. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, look out for us on social media. You can find us on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Facebook at the Buzzkill Podcast.
1: You can also find us on the Buzzkill PC. Uh, we're pretty much uh, everywhere. You can stream stuff. So uh, find us. I mean if you're listening to this you already have so it's kind of a mute point I suppose but moot <laughs> moot point sorry there you go but um yeah leave us a uh, leave us a message
2: leave us a comment leave us a rating of tell um... us tell us how many uh tell us on a scale from 1 to 10 how many Mmm, three milky twickers. Did this, <laughs> <laughs> did this episode get you? Uh, <laughs> if you want to find J rodge you can find me on all social media at
3: Ocean Recording, and also check out www.oceanrecordingstudio.com for
2: all your fantastic audio needs, baby, baby. There it is. All right, boys. Well, that was fun. It was fun. We'll see you next week. Go, uh, go watch a ton of episodes of Castle Rock because mm-hmm. we got a lot of work to put in. Sure do. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Try to have a good night.